Welcome back to the Quiet Onset podcast. I'm Ewan Graf and I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. How are you doing? I am doing good, sir. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, first time in the new year. So uh, how was your New Year's Eve? Yeah, happy new year, man. Yeah, happy new year to you too. Pretty quiet. Didn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. I watched Encanto oh. uh, with my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, we watched that on New Year's and we watched... Uh, so the, the, the last movie I watched in 2021 was uh was Spencer the uh Princess oh. Diana film with Kristen Stewart in it uh, made by the same director whose name I'm forgetting uh made Jackie um, yeah. that was my last film I watched in 2021 what was your last film that you watched in 2021 tell me I want to hear the, I, I want to hear the source I feel like you you know what it is and that's not going to be I, I don't even know hold on I got to check my letterbox stats because I know it's a, no I, I watched them um, <laughs> I, I watched when Avengers Endgame <laughs> oh, fuck sake. <laughs> Because <laughs> like I'm not I'm not even that big a Marvel head, but the thing was uh, I don't know I was like Did you I watch was kind it of where, bored. Like, Iron Man says I am Iron Man at midnight. Did you do it exactly like that? <laughs> no, so, no, like, no. He started at the exact time, so when he clicks his fingers, it's 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 New Year's Day. I wasn't watching on New Year's Day. I think I didn't watch a movie oh, okay. on Eve or or day, but um. What did I watch? I think I watched it on the 29th and then I didn't watch okay, the movie for right. two days. But but that was the last one because I, I saw it on Netflix. They added uh, the Spider-Man films and I watched Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, wasn't too keen for Far From Home and I guess it's after the whole other ordeal as well. And <laughs> then I watched Infinity War and was like, <laughs> might as well watch Endgame and pinched that all in one night. Um, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of skipped through some parts. But uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> That was my last movie of the year. I wasn't even considering that that's the last year and it, and it shows up in your stats on Letterboxd, which I guess is kind of funny. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, Spider-Man's still doing big numbers, so I guess it is appropriate to end the year with Marvel as well. But on today's show, uh, we'll talk about our top 10 films of 2021 and we'll also take a straight look ahead into uh, a full year of new movies in 2021 and share our most anticipated films of 2022. Uh, if you want to skip around, there are time codes, as always, linked below. But before we get into the main part of the show, don't forget to drop those five-star reviews over on Apple Podcast. It helps us out a lot and maybe uh, shout the show out to a friend. But uh, Lachlan, we don't really want to waste any time before we talk about a shit ton of movies. So uh, the only story I have for you today is kind of adjacent to the whole discussion of uh, 2021 as a film year and maybe looking at the domestic growth over in the US and, um, you know, what made how much. And when you look at it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, if you, if you guess without looking, how much of the total domestic growth in the US do you think Spider-Man No Way Home contributed? How much? Yeah, how much of a percentage? Um... The whole domestic box office, um, it's probably the most successful movie of the year. Um, yeah. I want to say anything crazy, but like like 5 10%? Yeah, you're pretty close. It's 13%, actually. 13%? Uh, yeah. Wow. And those other three Marvel movies that released, I think, yeah, we got three other Marvel movies this year. Uh, Shang-Chi, Black Widow, and Eternals. Um, Together made another 17. So <laughs> you got 30% that, of the... That's box office, yeah? That's yeah, not that's... including Disney+. Plus. No, because those numbers, they don't give out. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. And I mean, uh, Warner Brothers, which would be, I guess, the biggest auto competitor usually, uh, had a lot of their stuff on HBO Max, which definitely cut back their losses, but what uh, their, their grosses. But uh, what is also interesting to see is like that um, sequel, reboots and remakes, uh, made 41% of the rest of the gross. So what we are left mm. with is about a third, so 29% that was just other movies that were not in any shape or form... Uh, 
are kind of tied already to an existing IP, which, yeah, uh, it's a crazy development. Wow. And I feel like it will only probably increase in the future. I don't think these movies will go away that fall into that 29 percentage pile. But uh, definitely the grosses, I feel like, will only continue to, to grow with um, existing IP. And uh, I think like overall, we'll definitely, uh, after we share our top 10, I guess we'll talk a bit more about what we thought overall as uh, for 2021 as a film year. But, um, you know, we, we noticed there was a just a, a shit ton of nostalgia bait and, and all of that. A lot of sequels, a lot of remakes. It's a crazy number that 41% of films that, that are already attached to an existing uh, idea or, you know, IP uh, make up that box office number. Well, it's technically also, 71%, you know, because Marvel is, is all already pre-existing IP well, as well. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. But if we, if we separate MCU as sequels and mm -hmm. uh, just standalone films, like, you know, half, over over half is uh, something that already exists, right? That yeah. other movies are, you know, indie films and, uh, you know, like A24 films and mm -hmm. uh, films that, you know, are just trying to bust through, um, you know, Scorsese films and stuff like that. <laughs> um, trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Ridley Scott films as well. Yeah. You know, not already <laughs> attached, unless it's Alien, the like Alien 17. Um, but it, it, like the number of 30% being MCU, of just straight box office numbers is a crazy amount of money um, mm -hmm. to think that that's going into Disney's pocket and just making them filthier rich. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'd really like to see that number of sequel reboots and remakes drop. And I feel like over the next couple of years, that is going to happen. We are going to get sick of this, uh, everlasting rehash or reboot of a reboot film. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. like just off the top of my head, I mean, you've got matrix Four flopping, like there's no tomorrow. Um, <laughs> cause people didn't enjoy it. Like, I mean, some people did, but most people weren't enjoying this, uh, new sequel to this beloved two favorite film trilogy <laughs> that people liked um yeah. but i mean at least it's even now at least there's two shit ones and two decent ones <laughs> yeah it's all in balance when it comes to shitty and good matrix films i, I what doesn't go into this this uh graph that shows uh how much movies made is all the streaming stuff and what has to be you know considered there is that there's a lot of like really big players that you know entity arena like amazon and apple with just endless amounts of funds um yeah they can just push whatever they do and they don't have to report or, they, or yeah, they don't have to. And they also don't report any numbers on how successful their stuff is. So it's hard to say, like, because a lot of the stuff that Apple does is is like adaptations or it's like it's at least not reboots and remakes and sequels. It's, it's some form of original IP. So, you know, there's, there's other fields where you will get more of those, I guess, that pile of other movies that are still being published. But I feel like the theater model belongs to Disney at this point. But then also <laughs> a movie that we were really anticipating, of course, uh, Morbius got pushed once again to <sighs> April 2022. And you know what date it got pushed to? When? It got pushed to April Fools. Ah, <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> Which is the greatest joke ever made. It's the perfect end to the saga of Morbius. Hopefully they put, don't push it back any further. It would just be perfect then. Out of this Friday on January 7th is uh, Oscar Fahardi's new film, A Hero, uh, in limited release over in the US, as well as See For Me, The 355, and The Legend of La Llorona. Those are all the films that you can check out this week. And um, we'll go over a, a brief section of what we've been watching but I'll basically just, I guess, mention 
shortly. You already talked about what you've watched. Uh, I guess re more recently, I watched The Killing of Two Lovers, which was this really dark and grim look at uh, a family separating and uh, the one parent dealing with it, kind of his partner having a new partner. And the movie starts off in a really dark place where you would feel like the movie would end, but it's actually an opening scene um, where someone's like ready to kill someone else. Leave it at that. But it's like uh, that kind of intensity throughout the entire film. And it's just, uh, it's great performed, well-written, and I had a great time with it. So uh, there were a couple movies that we obviously didn't get to, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, to the films we haven't watched, but I caught up with a film that a lot of people recommended me, and that was The Summit of Gods, which was a animated movie over on Netflix that comes in with just about, like, I think, like, 90 minutes. It's just about 90 minutes long, um, and it's a really entertaining look at climbing. Um, so I feel like the recent boom in climbing, uh, with people doing it, uh, I feel like more than ever, and... The interest just, just spiked after people saw that crazy guy from Free Solo just do it all like a maniac. Um, this is an animated story, an adult animated story, I'd say, of uh, a, a journalist uh, following a, a climber that is trying to um, climb Mount Everest for, I believe, like the first time ever or like in certain conditions. I don't know. It was just it was thrilling to watch and... Uh, finally, I watched Benedetta, uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, newest film. And as always, it is crazy. It is bonkers. There's uh, an overload of nudity. And he somehow makes uh, the Bible, <laughs> you know, stories from the Bible more horrifying, but also way hornier than they would ever be. And uh, <laughs> it, it was an interesting watch. Uh, it didn't make it onto my top 10, but uh, definitely um, a couple films that are worth checking out for a conclusive look at 2021. <laughs> But uh, let's get to the best of 2021 then. Um, and I think at the start of this, we do have to preface that like making these lists is always like it's always reductive to put a number next to a it's movie. It's just fucking two weeks of my life. <laughs> just so much, so many movies that you cut up on. It was interesting to follow your letterbox page because there were a lot of entries, way more than than I, I still are. haven't watched everything that I've wanted to watch. Yeah. Um, I think I think just quickly like three three films that I want to see that I haven't been able to see yet. Nightmare Alley. House of Gucci and Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm -hmm. These are three films that I haven't seen yet that I would like to see that I think could possibly squeeze their way onto this list. Um, yeah. Especially uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. I've heard such mm -hmm. great things about it. I'm also a big fan of his films. I love The Shape of Water most recently of that, of course, um, and obviously Pan's Labyrinth, a classic. House of Gucci being Ridley Scott's film. It did enter my honorable mentions. The Last Jewel did enter my honorable mentions um, mm -hmm. this year, but it didn't make it onto my top 10 and I really enjoyed The Last Jewel. Yeah, um, same for at me. At the end of the day when I when I'm thinking about it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see House of Gucci. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously Tragedy, Tragedy of Macbeth being a, a Coen brother film um, just also looks like it's fucking dope. Just unfortunately, uh, haven't been able to see it yet. Uh, it yeah. comes out on Apple TV on January 14th. Exactly. So I guess it means it enters 2022's list, but I'm not 100% sure because it's technically released in 2021. So that is, see, this is the confusing part because I have a couple part. movies uh, that we won't mention again, but technically my number three this year would be one of the Miami. My number five would be The Father and my number six, Minari. And these had releases in 2021. Uh, I saw them in 2020. So it's like, okay, which list do they belong on? Do they go on both lists? And we decided that we generally want to go with movies that are, you know, have the tag of 2021 on Letterboxd. But <laughs> I don't know, it gets confusing and, and complicated really fast. But that's the general rule of thumb that we'll go by uh, that maybe gives a few other movies uh, something to show. See, last year I went, I went off by the uh, Oscars 
nomination yeah. uh, rules where you have a time period of like, I think it's like Feb, January to February um, of like 2019, 2020. And that's mm-hmm. how you can get uh, nominated in if, you're, if you've released a film with a hard release at cinemas. Like even if you release it in um, limited, uh, yeah. a limited release or let's say just say you do a festival release, unless it gets a theatre run in uh, LA, you don't get a nomination. So that's how I went off last year. But this that was, but it was different last year because they extended it, right? For because they, they extended postponed it because it. of COVID. So now it's all confusing. <laughs> it's messing yeah, us it's, up. Yeah, it's way more confusing. So basically, this year it's me just making sure that most of them have a 2021 uh, release date on both IMDb or Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And if it is 2020, uh, as long as I saw it a couple months into 2021, I'm happy to say that it's included, which is kind of what right. um, uh, some of them were. But now that I've kind of like refined my list. I've realized that most of these have come out in 2021 anyway. So uh, yeah, I think yeah. we'll be fine. We'll definitely give just a warm shout out to the films that would have made it onto that list. Um, I feel like I should include West Side Story uh, as a film that could make it onto my top 10 that I have not seen yet. Um, I got no excuse. I mean, West Side Story and House of Gucci has been out for weeks here. I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, and then I think that maybe Parallel Mothers and I'm Your Man could make it onto my list, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's set, um, I'm pretty set on on my uh, favorite 13 or I guess 10 picks of, of this year. And yeah, I guess I guess the last year made it onto my number 11 spot then as well, barely not making it into my list. So uh, do you have any um, more honorable mentions of stuff that uh, didn't make it onto your I list, Lachlan? I do have a couple honorable mentions, um, two that you said, The Father and Manon. Um, I really liked Minari for I, I overall it was just a beautiful story that was told on screen and uh, the father was just Anthony Hopkins you know punching above his weight and uh, performing his heart out so that was also a really cool story and it had a, a bunch of really nice techniques that I loved uh, watching in it you know different actors playing the same character and it was just a really great story overall don't really want to spoil much for it because I feel mm-hmm. like most people should watch it to experience it um, so those are my two other honorable mentions plus the last duel yeah. the one that uh, <laughs> I've got one more that uh, got pushed out very last minute um, roughly about five minutes before we started this call coda coda <laughs> right. is an honorable mention for me because i thought it was uh again it was one of my first big apple tv watches and so mm-hmm. uh i kind of had this like really good idea in my head that apple tv is going to have some really good shit on it uh, mm-hmm. so far it's kind of like yeah maybe maybe not but um coda was a really good purchase by them uh it, it honestly was a, a really great story um told uh for those of you who don't know coda which stands for child of deaf adults uh is basically about ruby she's the only hearing person in a family of deaf people um and basically she's torn between her pursuit of music her love of music and her family's business that is kind of threatened so she doesn't really know which way to go but it's, it's a very beautiful story told um uh, about a group of people who i guess you don't see much of uh in cinema and that's a deaf family but yeah anyone anyone who wants to you know have their heartstrings tugged out give that a bit of a mm-hmm. watch on apple tv yeah, I feel like we'll we'll hear a bit more uh, and from Coda uh, once the Oscars roll around because I feel like it might even have a shot at making the top ten, you know, of those Best Picture nominees and you know mm. give it more attention. It, it deserves it. It's it really uh, it's it's a it's um it's a crowd pleasing movie with a lot of heart, I'd say, and uh, you can't fault it for that. It's 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 great stuff and some great performances as well. And I guess for me, uh, maybe up up front, uh, <laughs> this might be a slight spoiler, but we are considering uh, certain 
things that might not be a movie in your eyes, like Bo Burnham's Inside as a movie. Or I guess just for this list, we'll consider it as a movie. So if that bothers you, stay mad. We don't care. Films that didn't make it onto my list barely are films like Spencer, uh, Licorice Pizza, Ditan, Mass, and oh. Drive My Car. So I would give those uh, uh, warm shoutouts. Licorice Pizza is an odd one for me as well. Yeah. Because it's not out I yet. can't see it yeah. anywhere. <laughs> um, so again, this is kind of like the weird one where it might have to go to my 2022 list because Australia is just well known for getting movies way, way after everyone else's. Like they can be on like the Oscars 100th, 200th anniversary and we're still getting the fucking movies from there like yeah. five years ago. So uh, Licorice Pizza is one I want to see as well. Yeah, to be fair, Licorice Pizza doesn't come out, I think, for the next two weeks here in Switzerland as well. Um, And it is still in limited release in the US at the moment. It hasn't even expanded to a wider release. 2021 or 2022? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's difficult. So fucking, it's already we got this. We're walking a very fine now. line here, mate. We're, work, we're walking a very <laughs> fucking fine line. We're on like ice that will just break at any point in time. But the thing is, does anyone care? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think it's just a, a a number that we put next to a movie uh and then further behind that is the year that it was first released so but yeah uh my number 10 movie is uh red rocket the new movie from sean baker uh starring simon rex which you know he he's not really known for doing a lot of these serious roles and i don't know i if you were able to uh catch red rocket yet uh <laughs> i have not Sorry, my you dog's didn't. scratching my door and I'm worried it's going to ruin up the fucking audio. But but yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like when I caught this one, I immediately thought this might be a movie for Lachlan. He might enjoy this quite a bit. And uh, bummer that you haven't seen it yet. It was actually both recommended to uh, me by both you and one of my old bosses actually i still keep in contact with him because he's a, a movie buff and we love right. talking about movies yeah but yeah i mean red rocket is amazing it, it tells the story of this somewhat failed uh porn artist porn performer who comes back down uh, comes back to his hometown story in close texas to your heart ewan it's very <laughs> 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 he said it's very close for to those of you who don't know ewan yeah. didn't go back to <laughs> Switzerland by choice <laughs> when you left Australia. We're laughing because it's so true. <laughs> it's it's so true, yeah. I, a, actually, true you know story. what? That is actually a true story because I almost did get kicked out of um of Australia on my second to last day. Because I did go to a bar with a friend of mine and we uh, got a drink, went to a bar and filled up our drink with our drink that we brought. And that's obviously illegal. And they kicked us out. <laughs> and they were like basically asking for information to put that on, on the record. And we researched later on that like people have gotten kicked out of the country for that before uh, because they like cancel your visa. But uh, I didn't care because uh, two days later you I left anyway. You are literally about to leave. <laughs> they forced me because of my... <laughs> My numerous amounts of pornographic acts that I've performed in Australia and failed uh, yeah. pornographic acts. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but you still feel like you need to extend them with the the, the really long running bit. I think it's from the second episode or something like that. Uh with my fucking wiki feats that's still up. It is. <laughs> but on, on, let's 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 keep on track with uh, Red Rocket. Great movie. Go check it out. It's actually really funny, although it has a lot of like dramatic beats. 
that are they're quite heavy and like the lead character is so despicable but for some reason you feel for him as well and mm. that weird balance of creating a character that at the same time is really entertaining but feels real but still you feel for him but he's a total asshole it's i don't know it's it's hard to do and sean baker does it so well so uh definitely go check out red rocket and that's my number 10 of 2021 so uh Lachlan, what's your number nine all right everyone who's a film nerd take your headphones off or mute your fucking speakers or whatever um, cause you're going to fucking dislike me for my number 10, but, uh, this is kind of what kicked Coda out because there's a couple movies as you get closer to the top that when I watched it, I just had a great time mm-hmm. and I had a great time watching this movie. So I thought I'd include it. Yeah. Now it isn't that 30% that made money at the box office that, uh, that MCU, <laughs> uh, number um yeah it's spider-man no way home <laughs> I, i'm putting it as my number 10 yeah putting it as my number 10 um why we appeal to the masses it was an enjoyable enjoyable film uh yeah. it wasn't just tom holland um in there that did it for me it was willem dafoe mm-hmm. it was uh dr oct coming back it was a uh, lizard coming back it was uh it? i think it's i can't remember it's um yes. uh, electro gecko. coming back it's all of these uh, gecko <laughs> it's all of these villains coming back and all of these characters from other Spider-Man films. Am I allowed to spoil Spider-Man now? Am I allowed to do that? Or am I still going to get like, it's, my head cut it's, off? No, it's 2022. You can spoil it. It's Spider-Man. 2022. I can spoil yeah. it. Having yeah. both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to come back is yeah. honestly a great feat. And to have them essentially... like Because obviously both of those series of Spider-Man films was going to have another film in it. And then Sony mm. ca- like, cancelled them both. So to have essentially a closing arc on both of their stories that they're both trying to be better people after they did fail at, I guess, saving some people uh, or saving, you know, the villains um, because Spider-Man's obviously a good guy and definitely wants to save people. Um, It's great. So again, it appeals to the masses. It's such fan service, but it was fun and entertaining. And honestly, it was a very, very nice story and one of the best, you know, movie experiences of the year. Also, yeah. I don't know if you heard about this, but in Perth, which is where I live, uh, there was a there was a, a halfway. So basically, there was a screening of Spider Man, and mm. the projector failed, so they had to rewind like the first thirty minutes. So everyone had to watch the first thirty minutes again, and then <laughs> during the cooling down of the projector, because the projector basically got too hot, uh, there was a fight in the cinema. <laughs> like there was a fist, what? like fists were flying, like security guards against like these group of guys, um, and they got kicked out. <laughs> Why were people fighting in the theater? <laughs> I don't know. It was. It was. It was just. Yeah. That I forgot to tell crazy. you. I forgot to tell you when um we talked about Spider Man, and then yeah. it just came to me now. So I thought I'd include it again. Maybe that's why, because I got to watch like a little like a little clip when I got home from Spider Man screening and mm-hmm. find out that another cinema had a fight in it, and I was like, man, I wish I went to there instead. <laughs> so much passion, you got to give and it to it was number like a new ten. New cinema spot. that just opened up as well. The cinema's only yeah. like two, three months old. So yeah, um, Spider Man No Way Home number ten. I feel like if you open a cinema, uh, you should definitely, you know, <laughs> screen five club and have people just punch it out. Just punch each other. Movie. Yeah, that should why, be your why opening Why is it that people night. throw spoons in the room, but they don't start fighting in fight club? That Come on, guys. Like, Yeah, it's like... I want an active audience. So boring. Yeah, we do want an active audience, but shut the fuck up during the movie, but we do want an active audience that punches each other out when the projector runs hot. That's the criteria that we want for... <laughs> The humans that enter uh, our cinemas, but uh, <laughs> ties me oh over my God, to my next segue. movie. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> the humans. Speaking of the humans, that's my number nine pick uh, from Stephen Karam, uh, who adapts his stage play for the silver screen. 
and uh, does that with Richard Jenkins and Steven Yeun, uh, Beanie Feldstein, Amy Schumer. Uh, actually, being good in a role, I cannot stand most of Amy Schumer's comedic acts. She was actually great in this. So uh, I can give a warm recommendation for you to go check out The Humans. But, you know, I had One Night in Miami at my number three pick. And I feel like that's there's not a lot of people who probably have it that high. But it's just that there's something about theater ad- adaptations that I like even more than musicals. And I would say I like both of those types of, of, of genres quite a bit. And uh, it's just done masterfully. Like the dialogue is so riveting. And the, the horror, the slight horror elements throughout the entire film are so hard haunting as like this family get together gets more intense and yeah you you start to really feel for all of the characters involved so uh yeah the humans is is amazing <laughs> you saw that one right oh nope, no you haven't yet. seen it <laughs> i every time i watch the like i i like i've got a couple of these films that i want to watch mm-hmm. one of them's come on come on uh one of them is humans um Drive my car. Red Rocket, uh, Drive My Car. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of these films that I want to watch, but I just haven't gotten around to it because I know that they're all going to be like really emotional. And I haven't been emotional mm-hmm. at this end of the... I mean, this end of the year is when I start getting really drunk from going to parties and stuff. So <laughs> being like coming home hungover and then being like, I'm going to watch a three-hour foreign film about driving my car... <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not in that mindset to watch it. It's the same with like the humans. It's like I can tell it's going to be like a heartstring tugging fucking you know how long is it? Like two hours, an hour and a half, whatever it is. Uh, and it's the same with come yeah. on, come on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like you've got one of the greatest uh, character actors of our time, Walking uh, Phoenix, playing a you know a character. I couldn't think of another <laughs> word. Um, it's going to pull your heartstrings. There's a kid in it. Um, there's all these films I want to mm-hmm. watch, but I just haven't been in the right mindset to watch them, which kind of sucks. Um, but I mean, it's kind of good in hindsight because it just means I haven't been sad in the past year. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and I feel like you don't want to rush these films if you don't oh, God, feel no. in the mood. You know, then... Um you definitely should space them out and like most of them do get released like even early into in this year or late last year so when they do get a proper like big release we'll end up covering them and we have more time to devote to them individually it's probably why Tatane isn't on my top 10 because when i watched it i really wasn't in the mindset to watch it like i wasn't ready for what the fuck it was going i went in blind and i shouldn't have done mm-hmm. that so i feel like i should watch it again in knowing what it is and 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 reassess it because i feel like i'd, I'd really would enjoy it a bit more um yeah it's it's really hard to like when you get to the end of the year like this because this year i've been a bit busy and trying to squeeze all of these films that i want to watch in in the last like two three weeks is really painful especially because it's Mm -hmm. you know the christmas time getting together with friends family um also you know lockdowns and stuff are also a bit annoying and things close up and it's a bit painful it's a painful two years three years um Mm -hmm. i I just not in the right mindset to watch you know a fucking emotional stage play that's transitioned to the silver screen so yeah yeah yeah, i haven't seen it yet but uh what is something that that you did see and make it onto your speaking of uh basically theater plays on the silver screen uh Mm -hmm. my number nine is tick tick boom Ooh, okay yeah hello nice manuel miranda made it onto my top 10 andrew garfield should be nominated for an oscar oh yeah i do agree oscar Mm -hmm. nominated role this is he's gonna get it now look i just really enjoy it i thought all the music was phenomenal um i mean everything lin manuel miranda does when it comes to music is really well because it's just incredibly well written and really fun Um, i love songs that just play on words which when we get to my number Mm. like i think it's number three yeah, number three, we are going to come back to this. Yeah. I really like uh-huh. well-crafted stories um, and I like fun dialogue and I like that when it comes to songs as well. And Tick, Tick, Boom has some incredible uh, musical parts, aspects to them. Um, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was as um, 
uh, like another musical that we I watched this year would be um, In the Heights. And I mm-hmm. thought, again, great music. I just didn't think the, it was just too musically for me to get into my top yeah. 10. So I really like Tick, Tick, Boom because it does tell an incredible story for the screen, which is kind mm. of what they should have done for maybe In the Heights is tell a good story for the screen and then incorporate it this way. Um, but I guess it's mm. a completely different kind of story that they're telling. Um, but Tick, Tick, Boom yeah. nails it in every kind of sense. Like all the performances are great. The story that's obviously telling this lovely, lovely life that Andrew Garfield plays also a very tragic one uh yeah it's just a great kind of not only character piece but also time piece because it's it's also about uh New York City I think it's the 80s 90s roughly uh yeah 90s so no yeah it's like it's this really cool story that's just kind of taken out of the 90s and placed onto your screen um to tell a story of this awesome theater composer and his uh you know his the pressure that he has on him. Uh, and I guess that yeah. kind of goes well with a lot of uh, artists who want to make and write and direct films. Uh, it's something mm-hmm. that you could possibly re- relate to, which is kind of why I guess I liked it. Yeah, it is definitely that that continued and never-ending struggle for Jonathan Larson, like preaching his, uh, uh, approaching his 30s and not feeling like he accomplished anything is uh is is a i mean it's it's relatable at some point <laughs> not yet hopefully mm. <laughs> bit ways off until my 30s but it still is um something that is super compelling and i feel like you know the this was a musical from jonathan larson called tick tick boom which was uh mainly i think a freeman show uh and most of it was just like the lead character singing all the stuff so um miranda expanded upon that story and maybe that's why uh, what you mentioned within the Heights, you know, that is just a little Manuel Miranda musical uh, from the early 2000s. And then it translates more musically onto the silver screen. But it's like mm, here it's you can do a bit more with it. You're a bit more open. And um, uh, it, it didn't make it onto my top 10, but it barely uh, got edged out by a couple of other films. Um, and actually, the movie you just mentioned, In the Heights, uh, is my number eight pick. Oh, wow. <laughs> I yeah. enjoyed that one. I saw it in theaters twice. And I, yeah, had a great time with it. I feel like it was just such a movie full of so much energy. And I don't know how Anthony Ramos is able to just be such a, a goofball full of energy, but also kind of working in, in, in those um, more more silent moments. Um, I feel like he's just a great performer overall. And I, I loved him in Hamilton. I think he's, he's one of the highlights that is, is a bit more in the background of those uh, lead performers there. But uh, yeah, no, he, he is amazing. And the overall story is just so fun to watch. And some of the songs are <laughs> just, uh, yeah, still in my rotation on Spotify. <laughs> and I listen to them from time to time. And I think the other day I just opened up uh, the movie on HBO Max and just like clicked through some of the songs, listened to them. Uh, so yeah, In the Heights. Got a bit, um, you know, didn't do uh, well at all, I think, at the box office. Didn't do um, too hot, did it? But yeah, no, comparatively, I think people were just like bashing it. But then comparatively to like other movies, it didn't do too bad, actually. But yeah, I mean, it's it's no, probably no West Side Story. No, West Side Story also boomed. I don't know. Uh, apart from Tick, Tick, Boom, which we don't get numbers for because it's on uh, Netflix, I feel like pretty much all the musicals did uh, boom at the box office. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe we'll get less next year. <laughs> they, they were like, no, they don't do well with the money. And um, do do you think uh, musicals would be considered like a remake or uh, they would fall into that category? No, I wouldn't classify it on that because um, musicals have always been kind of, I mean, like it can go 
go both ways. The Wizard of Oz movie, the Wizard of Oz musical. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say that it's a remake, reboot, sequel. I would say it's just an adaptation of something that already exists. Yeah. So kind of like Dune. Depends on the definition of, of where you make the book. cutoff, I guess. Dune is not a movie. Dune yeah. was a book first. Um, So, I mean, isn't One Night in Miami a theatre is it, it is, a, yeah, is it and it was play? also adapted like the humans from yep. the director who did uh, the original um, theater play. And I like that trend to see like yeah. more theater actors. Yeah, I wouldn't classify uh, bring it something I, new to the because like screen. if you if you classify something like that that's a musical or a, or a theater play, you have to then also do that with books, and that includes like Power of the right, Dog. Yeah. Then you've also got things like um, um, everything that is an adapted screenplay. Yeah, every, is then literally everything that's been ever adapted. Be adaptation. Yeah, so yeah. no, nah, I wouldn't say so. Right, yeah, I do agree with that. <laughs> no, you didn't clear it up, thank you. And I believe we are on to uh, your number eight, yeah. My number eight <clears throat> is Judas and the Black Messiah. Hey, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Movie from earlier in the year. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, mm -hmm. Jesse Plemons. Basically the story of Fred Hampton's death. Honestly, it was just a well-crafted story and I liked mm -hmm. it. I liked it because... I remember watching it really early in 2021. It's one of those films that when I've, you know, gotten about six months down the line of 2021 and thought about my top 10 list so far, it's always been on that list. Like, it's always been like, yeah, that mm -hmm. movie was great. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, as you get along, like, as I get higher to the top of the list, um, actually past this point. So with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tick, Tick, Boom and Judas and the Black Messiah, I only saw them once. But everything right. above this, I've actually seen more than once. So this is kind of where I separated the list for myself. It was like, okay, how do I separate my top 10? Well, if I've seen it more than once, it means I definitely liked it and I enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. I have watched all of these other films above this more than once, and I could probably tell you how many times. Um, but Jews and the Black Messiah saw once, and it has stuck with me. It has definitely stuck with me because I thought the mm -hmm. storytelling was great. I thought the performances were absolutely incredible. The style of it as well was just kind of like this... I don't know how to explain it, but like a very firm style in terms of how it was shown. Um, it really left nothing to the imagination. It really tried to show you as much mm -hmm. as it could. Um, the brutality that the uh, FBI performed on the Black Panther Party um, yeah. is, is ridiculous. Uh, so mm -hmm. like this is just a really awesome story that they told and some, I think, a story that should have been told because, yeah, it's just, it's it's horrible what happened. So um, anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah was in the basically all the award season last year. Um, yeah. so basically you won't see much of it this year but if you haven't seen it I would highly recommend it because it's definitely uh, a worthwhile film yeah for sure I do agree and I feel like the cinematography in that movie is especially stunning, yeah, stunning. so it is so precise in what it's trying to capture and I feel like especially like the speeches from Fred Hampton are so well done you mm. really feel like in the midst of it all the cinematographer by the way because I, I was actually going to say the same thing um, is the same mm -hmm. guy who did uh, Steve McQueen's films like he's done Hunger mm. Mm -hmm. He's done Shame. He did uh, 12 Years a Slave. Like, those are really beautiful films. Yeah. He, he wasn't picked for no reason. He was picked because he's made mm -hmm. some fucking gorgeous looking films. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> My number seven pick is something that will... We'll, um get to later on onto your list so i don't i don't want to you know it, it deserves to be later on in the discussion i believe so i move to my number six pick which is flee an animated documentary about a refugee who has to flee i guess <laughs> wow it wasn't even intentional i'm such a dumbass i but never that's... would have guessed that that is what the oh film God. is about dude Incre incredible he does, he does. Abs absolutely incredible. roll credits <laughs> 
Oh my God, oh, you should kick me off the show. But it's an amazing story and it is done with those visuals with an intention, not just because, oh, animated movies do look kind of pretty if you animate them and stuff. No, it has like a deeper meaning as to why, uh, like stuff with hidden identity and whatever. And uh, it is such a compelling story that really... It compels you? <laughs> such a compelling story that compels you. <laughs> dumb, you dumbass. <laughs> Leave me alone, you bitch. <laughs> Fuck, what did stop they say? interrupting Walking, me. Walking Phoenix is playing a character and he's a character? <laughs> Fucking hell. Flea is really compelling overall. It just grabs you in from minute one and doesn't let go of that feeling of like this story needs to be told and more of these stories need to be told and it's it's just a, a great documentary that i feel like everyone should see and uh, it's really easily accessible uh through the animation because i feel like that's so easy to consume other than maybe a documentary on refuge and on, on a refugee that would be live action and staged you can do so much more and represent so much more with animation so i feel like that was an amazing choice to do it that way and hopefully um i'm rooting for it to win uh, best documentary at the oscars and hopefully get nominated even um but yeah lachlan um what is your number seven pick as i said every film above judas and the black messiah i saw more than once which is kind of how i organized this next part in terms of how many times I watched it and also, uh, you know, how enjoyable it was, obviously. So mm -hmm. my number my number seven uh, is uh, Nicolas Cage, Pig. 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 Yes, Pig. Talk to me about Pig. Do you want to guess why it's my, like, in my top ten? Like, why I liked Pig? Oh, I, I have it in my, I think, top 20 as well. And I, I maybe I should have prefaced this. I saw, like, 310 movies this year. Yeah, you watched a fuck <laughs> No, I saw 310 2021 movies this year. I saw, yeah. like, 500 movies in yeah. total. But... Um, so there, there's a shit ton that just gets kind of pushed out, you know, pushed down. But Pig was was just an amazing movie. I thought it was such a somber, slow take and character study that you did not expect coming from a movie from Nicolas Cage. And it blew me away as well. So You know when you watch like a like an like a comedy actor or an actor that never does a role like this? And then they do a role like that and you're like, no, no, they're not just a comedy actor. They're an actor. Yeah. It was for Simon Rex for me in Red Rocket. It was blown away. Fucking performance. Nicolas Cage is mm -hmm. like, we don't need to be reminded. He he is a great actor when he wants to be. Yeah. But he just likes to have fun 95% of the time mm -hmm. as someone who literally two days ago watched Prisoners of a Ghost Land. <laughs> you actually watched it <laughs> twice, right? <laughs> No, no, no. I, no. I watched it once and then I watched like, I like flicked through it because I wanted to watch like, oh, okay. the, I had to just watch, rewatch scenes that were just so good. Like his monologue about him losing a testicle at the end is fucking brilliant. The way <laughs> he says is testicle so is just like incredible. Anyway, yeah. uh, Pig was just a like fun film to watch because it takes you on a, on a journey and you don't know where it's going to end up. You, you really don't mm -hmm. know where the story goes or where it, where it's going to go because they really keep all their cards to their chest until right up to the end. And with mm. the twist that happens, because I would say it's like a twist, um, it, it's just like I would say that Pig's reveal of what Nicolas Cage's past is, that, that the twist is my favourite mm -hmm. of 2021. Interesting. I, I thought it was a it was a great, greatly written scene as well and just a great ending to a really compelling movie. Um, I've also never shed a tear over a pig dying <laughs> well, I, I cannot say the same thing <laughs> i mean good point uh i i never have so i was pretty blown away yeah. with the fact that i when he uh, yeah i don't really want to spoil much but he ends up revealing that the pig is dead so there should be just a spoiler warning to start anyway yeah um 
uh, and, he, and he breaks down. It's all in slow-mo and it's quiet. And I was like, I was fighting back fucking tears. I was fighting back yeah. tears. And there's, got, there's no way I would ever cry over anything. Like, I don't think I cried at any... I mean, I got sad. And I wouldn't say I got sad at that one either. Um, I'm just going through my list. That one made me sad. That one didn't make me sad. That one didn't make me sad. Like, none of these movies made me sad. This is the mm-hmm. only movie where I probably shed a tear this year. Other than, like, yeah. uh, from 2021. It's probably movies that I watched this year that are old and older than this, and I've watched it and I cried, but... This is the yeah. only one in my top 10 that made me feel something, like like physically made me tear up. And that's stupid because it's fucking pig. Out of all the fucking movies you can see, it's pig. <laughs> it's the one syllable word movie that makes you cry. <laughs> I get emotional quite easily when I watch movies. So sometimes even when it's not really sad, I, uh, you know, I shed a tear or two. Uh, or sometimes just when the visuals are really nice. <laughs> I was like watching Dune and I was like, oh, this looks so amazing. <laughs> For some reason, it's like, oh, this beauty put on screen so beautiful <laughs> yeah exactly Lachlan because I, I I did skip um on my number seven maybe you could uh hit us with your number six, six. as well number six is no time to die now I saw pig and no time to die twice um I got to see pig once in cinemas and I got to see it once at home and I saw no time mm-hmm. the time to die twice in cinema it is probably my second favorite Bond film that sometimes mm, might become mm-hmm. my third favorite Bond film because I might watch Casino Royale and it might switch um, from number, because number one is Skyfall and then number two is going to be either this or Casino Royale, depending on which one I saw first. So right now it's no time to die. And honestly, this was one of the greatest Bond films to date. And I say that because out of all of the Bond Bonds that have come and gone, and some have fully died, like uh, Sean Connery, sadly, um, this is the only one that wraps up the story so nicely. So for someone like me, who wouldn't say I enjoy the previous Bond films, they are two, they all end so they can obviously include another one, but then they just make a new James Bond trilogy or s- series. This is the only one that wraps up a story nice and neat. It does. I mean, it, it caps off the story of that Bond and it feels like, you know, it's it's time for, for a new uh, era now. And it, it mm. feels like the end of an era that's maybe that has more recently become important with movie series to, to have a fulfilling ending. And I feel like No Time to Die was, was able to capitalize on that and just make that ending uh have have a purpose and feel heavy but at the same time you kind of feel relief for the character but also you know as a ton of weight being lifted but also at the same time being put on him it's just uh a really entertaining uh action movie and um i definitely have that uh, quite high on my list as well but i guess not uh on my on my top 10 or top 15 uh do we want to move on to my number five pick sure yeah so that is uh the souvenir part two which um you have neither seen the first one nor the second one um so i I guess it is a bit harder basically i feel like i don't have to say much about this because it's basically about someone who's shooting their own film uh can't remember if it's it's a short film i believe it's not a full feature film but i'm not not entirely sure anymore it's been a while since i've seen it last uh but um that that part of the story is so compelling and then like the struggles that you face with uh, y- y- the rest of your cu- crew, but also yourself, how you approach that, how you finance it, all that stuff that um, maybe like the two of us have not as extensively had experience with, but still can really relate to. Uh, grounding that with a-, a character study on someone who has just uh, experienced a tremendous amount of loss and incorporating that into her art, it was just like it's coming together in on, on all fronts and I was blown away by the souvenir. 
and I can I can just wholeheartedly shout it out. Uh, yeah, even like it more than the first one. And, uh, but yeah, check out the souvenir and the souvenir part two. I can um, yeah definitely recommend that one. Uh, Lachlan, what is your number five? Number five. Is Annette. 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 Ooh. Okay. Uh, you fall in the in the category of people who love Annette, and there's the other category that hates it. I, I don't think there's anyone there, in between. There's <laughs> no one in between that loves Annette and hates Annette. There's no one. You either fall into the, the pact of Annette's a fucking weird movie and you hate it, or you fall into the pack where it's like I. F- Annette's, Annette's a, a fucking, fucking weird, weird movie, movie and, and I love it. Love it. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's honestly, it's 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 really fucking confusing for most people. Um, what's great about Annette, in my opinion, is I had no idea what the fuck was going on 95% of the time. So for me, uh, I loved it because I had Mm -hmm. no idea what the fuck was going on. So I watched it a second time. (laughs) And and even though I watched it once and had no idea what the fuck was going on and I watched it a second time and by the end I was still like, I don't know what happened. It was stunning. It was just mm-hmm. pretty. It was a beautiful film. It it was it's it's well, it's a French director, so there you go. You have your understanding of why people will love and hate it because it's a weird movie made by a French director and the French make weird films, but they also make some of the most yeah. incredibly stunning beautiful films of all time. Uh Annette mixes basically the western and the French art world by having mostly uh western actors. I mean, Adam Driver is the star, um and not even having an actor for Annette. The the child it's a puppet and when mm-hmm. i saw that when there's a, there's a birthing scene and i saw that it was a puppet i thought oh yeah that's a french thing to do then i saw that the puppet stays and they're gonna keep using the puppet to be a net throughout the entire thing i i thought oh this is fucking weird and <laughs> i ended up loving it and then by the end there's like a nice little transition where she becomes a real actress and it's really mm-hmm. cute and it's stunning and i thought that was gorgeous um again not a lot of films made me feel things but that kind of like made me feel mm-hmm. something in a way um it's this is where i also come into that part where it's like it's also a musical and i know i said that yeah. i didn't like in the heights because i thought it was a bit over the top but there's a part where you just get too over the top and it's great and that was a net so Annette is honestly a great story. Um, it's an, <laughs> a very out there story. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. very similar to about an artist's struggles um, in a much more <laughs> surreal and uh, out of this world kind of way. Um, so it's honestly just a, a, a great, uh, fun movie to watch. Um, but anyone out there who hates art films, don't watch this movie because you will hate this movie. So basically my, yeah. my, my recommendation for this movie is only for those who are in that film art, uh, auteur like world. Um, honestly, most people who like absolutely love No Time to Die are going to absolutely hate Annette. So having these as back to back is really going to throw some people off if they try to watch this top 10 list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite a despairing top 10 overall <laughs> in the variety that you have in there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I enjoyed Annette. Um, I, I can't backtrack and say like, I, <laughs> that was me mainly watching the film. Um, I, to me, this arc was kind of completed from watching the Sparks Brothers at Sundance, the documentary on Sparks, who also wrote, uh, you know, the music and I think the screenplay for Annette. Uh, so it felt kind of conclusive to like, saw the documentary about all of their albums and then them finally getting to do uh, a movie like this. 
And uh, I don't know, I was just happy for them, I guess. And, uh, I, I had a great time with it, but I it's hard to describe what you enjoy with it uh, about it other than the weirdness. Um, and it is just so out there while still kind of knowing what it wants to do that you just got to love it for it. I, I don't know. I just I, I liked it quite a bit as well. Let's move on to my number four pick, and that is Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I won't spoil anything, of course, because Lachlan has not seen it yet, so I would never dare to do anything of sorts um but it this is basically about a documentary filmmaker uh who is thrust upon um this this relationship that he has, he has to take care of uh his his sister's son for a bit uh while he's doing his documentary work and he's interviewing um children at schools kind of asking them about the future and that part of the interviews is not scripted those are real uh children who answer those questions and it neatly flows into the overall narrative of just like experiencing life and trying to fit in but maybe you never want to fit in you just want to find your place and it is it is such a beautifully told story it's shot in black and white and it looks magnificent it looks timeless and uh you just got to check it out yourself so come on come on is amazing and it's being overlooked i believe it's kind of flying under the radar for a lot of people so definitely go seek out come on come on uh and then um lachlan what is your number four pick? <clears throat> uh nobody your number f wait okay wow this is surprising yeah nobody look at that nobody bob odenkirk bob yeah. odenkirk which i accidentally spelt bib odenkirk on my notes <laughs> so after he's done with all on, those criminals they were needing a bib am i right now on it's bib odenkirk um yeah <laughs> i didn't think it would make it onto my top 10 but then i watched it again i was like hmm it's getting on there it's getting on that top 10 list and mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna put it where no one thinks it's gonna be because i had such fun watching it the first time and i still had such fun watching it the second time uh Everything about it is a spectacular fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. I had a great time with really nobody as really well. Really don't know how much I can tell you. I mean, if it's got Bib Odenkirk, who plays a badass, <laughs> which he does really, really well. It's got Christopher Lloyd in it, who yeah. all I have to fucking say is fucking Christopher Lloyd. Uh, it's got some of the funnest fight scenes, which at first I thought, oh, it's going to be a John Wick ripoff. No, 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 no. They take their own spit on it, and it's fucking brilliant. Uh, it is fun. It's it's badass. I enjoyed it. It's going on my top 10. It's my number four. It's going to be number four. And it's, it's been written it's in stone now there. that it's number four. <laughs> uh, glad, glad you're taking a stance on I this. just wanted to have uh, a film in there that I, because like the next three films that I'm going to tell you are going to be films that I still had fun with, but they're on there for a completely different reason. And I right, enjoyed yeah. No Time to Die and I, joined, and I enjoyed Annette because they were just great works of film. Nobody mm -hmm. is very similar to that, but it's fucking fun. Like it's a film that you mm -hmm. sit down, you watch, and you're going to have a great time. It doesn't matter who watches it. 95% of yeah. the people who watch it are going to have a great time. And for that, and it's the same reason I put Spider-Man No Way Home on my top 10, there are definitely better films that were made this year. Coda is definitely, in my opinion, a better film film. But And I would also say The Last Duel is better than No Way Home, in my opinion. But overall, mm -hmm. the fun factor for me was Spider-Man No Way Home definitely was more fun. And as much as I love The Last Duel and and, and Coda, um, they weren't as fun. So mm -hmm. for me, I have to include that fun factor into this top 10 list and that's why nobody is here at my number my number four i believe my next three picks are all controversial <laughs> because like one could technically be 2020 one could technically be only 2022 
and the other one could not even be considered a movie overall. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, my number three pick is uh, Shiva Baby, which I guess technically has a release for 2020. Um, but I think I think it came out just a couple of months ago. So uh, later on into the year than these other ones that we disregarded. Uh, uh, so it is just, you know, if you've seen Anka Gems, it is that just <laughs> more Jewish said it is Shiva. And uh, just really entertaining and nerve wracking because you're constantly like trying to uh, get a get some air. Like, can people please leave this person alone for just one second? And it's like one scene after the other. It's just a banger after banger. And it is super entertaining as well. Although it is still nerve-wracking and it might be a bit, you know, too anxiety-inducing for some. But like Anka Gems, I I adored Shiva Baby. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. So, uh, Lachlan, I think uh, the next movie that we'll talk about, or some would even not consider it a movie, is uh, my number two and your number three. And we're talking about Bo Burnham's Inside. So, Lachlan, you put it higher what did you love? Did you? I did put it higher wow. than you, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what did I love? Um, well, let me... Let me start by saying this. I wouldn't usually put stand-up comedy on my top 10 list. Like you don't see Jimmy mm -hmm. Carr, you don't see uh, Ricky Gervais, you don't see any of these comedians on here, um, typically on my top 10s. But mm. like I usually wouldn't put his previous stand-ups like Make Happy and What on here because they are traditional stand-ups. Yeah. But Bo Burnham's Inside is not a traditional stand-up. It is mm -hmm. in all ways pretty much a feature-length film. It's mm -hmm. just taking the stand-up format that he's used to and editing it like he usually does, editing the fuck out of it. So for me, yeah. that's the reason Bo Burnham's Inside makes it onto this top 10 list. Again, I've seen this film probably five times. Yeah, I, for me, it's been... I almost watched it last night, but I did uh, I did go for something else instead. Uh, I, I went with the comfort film and watched... Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, it's nice, nice. Uh, yeah, very fun movie. If you don't mind me asking, um, what, did, what did you like about Bo Burnham's Inside? I, I just think it is so interesting to see the creative process be broken down on screen on screen while he's going at it. Like, obviously, this whole thing is not planned out and he kind of continues to go and go and push himself. And I feel like putting something out creatively that, you know, the part of doing the process is the actual movie. So it's so interesting to see, but it's also terrifying. Like it could completely not work at all. And it somehow does. And it has those songs that I just like to listen to uh, outside of the stand-up. I, be I believe that like just Welcome to the Internet is just a really fun song that I just like to put on. But like something that I put on and then I get in a certain mood that I want to sing along to and feel kind of gloomy about the, the whole world is that funny feeling. I feel like that is a standout song to me. And much like like those filmmakers that you can't agree on their best movie um. One, it's like the song here. Everyone could take like some something a bit more lighthearted, like uh, "White Girls Instagram," and you <laughs> just you just have fun with that, I guess. But I I adored the variety that he had in, in this set, and um, I don't even know if it's my favorite of all of his stand-up sets. It, it's just amazing in his own right, and I feel like 
he has been amazing and consistent for years. Uh, and it just is such a great time capsule into 2020. So I believe like compared to all of these other films, which are great in their own regard, I feel like uh, Inside really captures what it is, what, what, what that year was like for a lot of people. Um, not just creatively, just also just the mental state that he is open to put uh, fully onto screen and uh, shares it with us. So just a beautiful piece of art, I would just say, <laughs> in my opinion. It's amazing. I, at first, also thought this wasn't my favorite Bo Burnham film, but that was only the first time I watched it because I really, really like Make Happy. I think that Same, some yeah. of the, I think the songs in Make Happy are overall, like all of them are really good. They're great because, as I said, mm -hmm. with uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, I really enjoy well-written things, like uh, stuff with a lot of play on words. Um, uh, I really like well-written songs as well, which is why I mm -hmm. like Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, also in the Heights as well and obviously uh Bo Burnham's Inside uh is the greatest is a great mixture of songs that you could listen to but songs you could laugh to at the same time because you can listen to it and it and it slaps but if you break it down there is so much to break down on it after watching it so many times it has become my favorite because the reason I like all of his previous stand-ups is that unlike a lot of stand-up comedians Bo Burnham utilizes a lot of filmmaking techniques one of those is mm. lighting and I think the lighting on his other stand-up are great um but I feel like his overall composition and lighting in this one just takes the cake. I think that with the equipment that he had, he just blew it out of the ballpark with what can be done by yourself. Um, and that's why I think for me, it is now my favorite uh, set of stand-up comedy that Bo Burnham has done. Because unlike other ones, Bo Burnham still says jokes throughout his stand-up. But in this one, he doesn't really do that. He kind of just breaks down his mental state <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. So this yeah. is more packed with songs, which is which is fun for me because mm. some of them are absolutely great. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, hang on, I've pulled it up now, but I'm pretty sure that uh, <laughs> Bezos is the most played. Yeah, it's got 109 <laughs> yeah. million plays where the next one, like, like the next most popular one would be, oh God, 77 with Welcome to the Internet. Mm. Like it's got, <laughs> you know, three, 30 million more plays than what the next one does. Um, And those are two separate, like, I mean, very similar songs, but you've got Problematic, which is one of his like serious songs that if you break down, mm. you know, sounds, you know, uh, you, you got way more meaning in it. Um, you've got the really fun songs, White Women's Instagram that has rarely ever been played. But honestly, it's some really great songs in this uh, film that he makes. I don't want to call it stand-up anymore. In this film that he made. Um, it is mm. a comedy special, but it is one of the greatest comedy specials that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I fully agree on that. Uh, so go check it out. It's streaming on Netflix. So what? accessible to anyone who's interested uh and let's move on to uh my number seven pick and your number two that is uh the one and only dune so Lachlan, <laughs> i want to hear from you why is dune so great why does it make it so high up yours? why the fuck is it not great uh the only reason i could give it's that it kind of ends on a note that i'm like yes and um <laughs> please give me more which is a, is a good feeling but that's the only criticism i have with it i it just i was blown away by the visuals by the world building by the overall storytelling i thought the performances were great uh we already have an extensive review of uh dune where we broke down pretty much everything and uh, i think a highlight for you was was uh the performances as well right from Ch timothy chalamet timmy i was just a lot they both did a phenomenal job they're the two that stood out to me the most yeah. um for me after seeing it 
four, five, actually, I think six times now. Oh, five. okay. In saying that, I saw Blade Runner 2049 at least six times. <laughs> like, I saw that <laughs> film so many fucking times, and I can't count how many times yeah. I watched it at home. Um, so, I, I look, I, I like Denise Villeneuve's films. I, I've watched all of them more than once, like, all of them. Um, it, it, I agree, yes, the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger sucks, but let me say this. Once the second one comes out, once the second one comes out. <laughs> feeling thy nature. Feeling thy nature. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting into the, my number one category, my number one film. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. That when the second one comes out, you're going to completely mm-hmm. forget about that. Yeah. And I know, well, we're gonna, I, know we're gonna, I know we shouldn't take it into consideration, but once yeah. the second one comes out, it's mm-hmm. Denise Villeneuve. He's going to do a great job. There was already pressure on him to do this. He can definitely do a second one incredibly well. Mm-hmm. You're going to forget yeah. all about that, okay? No one, mm. I mean, everyone, not, I mean, it ended on a better one, but other examples we can give a part one and part twos is like Harry Potter. When part one came out, everyone was like, ah, mm-hmm. I want the, I want part two. I, I'm mad. Part one sucks mm-hmm. because I can't get a part two. And part two comes out and no one fucking gives a shit because they can watch part one and part two back to back. So I used to say that. Yeah. And now I throw it away because part two will come out. It will be great. And we will now love Dune because it's Dune part one that we're talking about. <laughs> you will love Dune. You will it's love like Dune. using the voice. You will, you will love Dune. <laughs> You would love. Can you can you edit? Can you edit the voice for me? I can. I can yeah, I can. You can. Try. Can you do the voice? You, yeah. you, I'm just gonna say. You will love Dune. Now you've got to edit the voice to sound like the voice from Dune. <laughs> yeah. If you don't edit the voice, <laughs> I'll make it high pitched. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I won't do you dirty. I'll, I'll try. I'll try at least. Uh, otherwise, that would make me. Oh my god, I hate. I hate doing these transitions. Transitions, but I kind of die for them as well because I do love them. But if I were to do that, that would make me. The worst, worst person, person in, in the, the world. world. I haven't seen hey. it yet. <laughs> it's not even out in a lot of places. That's why I'm not sure if it might even be a 2022 movie. I guess in that way. Released take in Australia, Palm King 2025. For <laughs> yeah. It's the worst uh, release strategy in the world, I guess, for Australia. Uh, but that one is a movie told in 13 chapters uh, about a uh, woman in her mid-20s um, going through life, uh, love, and just all, all of that, <laughs> I guess. It's just a, a comedy romance drama. Uh, it is so well balanced. It had me rooting for the character the entire time. Although, like, you don't stand behind all of her decisions, or at least I didn't. Um, but still, it is really compelling throughout. And uh, speaking of things that get me emotional, I think this movie got me emotional a couple of times. It is just, it feels so um, close to what you experience in life sometimes, or maybe to the experiences that I have, I have had. And um, for for that, it was just I was just fully in uh, with the worst person in the world and a uh, great lead performance uh, from Renate. Uh, <laughs> shit, I shouldn't have tried to say her last name, but I'm gonna stick with it. Rensver. Definitely butchering that name, but she she is amazing in it. Um, and it, it comes from uh, Joachim Trier, and I haven't seen any of his other movies like Oslo, uh, 31st of August, Louder Than Bombs, or Thelma, but uh, I'll definitely check them out in the future, and hopefully um, this number one pick gets, you know, a few more people to check it out once it releases, and we will definitely, we will definitely do a full review for it on the podcast once it, it has that wider release. I, I cannot wait for you to see it as well. Is that directed to and me, then, or is that directed uh, to the audience? Uh, for, for, for you, Lachlan, to see oh, it as well. Oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> Right, you okay. and you and everyone of and course you. we try and to be you. inclusive and you. and you and you and you get to be the worst person in the world uh anyways uh Lachlan let's move on to your uh 
Do your to your crowned. You know how hard one. it was to decide what was going to be number one this year. It wasn't. I assume for you, right? It was very fucking difficult. Early on. Thank you very it much. It was hard. Yeah. Of you think so? I, f- I thought you were pretty early on. You were like, I think you told me like, oh yeah, Annette and you know the movie you're about to say was like uh, your your uh, runner ups and your yeah, picks no, to, I'm, to I'm, be yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about between number one and number two. Like how? Oh, like, okay. Like, yeah, you were a big fan two, of. You are a big fan of Dune. Like, Dune, yeah. I was fucking slapping for, but. But this film, when I watched it, like uh, like after I watched it, I watched it again, and yeah. I watched it another time a couple weeks later. Ooh, and, third time, and and I've seen it three times. So I've seen it less than Dune. Right. Okay. I've seen it less than Dune. Yeah. I've seen it less than Bo Burnham's Inside. Mm-hmm. But the story of Sir Gawain in The Green Knight takes my number one place because it's a story about time and it's a story about what to do with your time. Um. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that is in a year or in a, in a span of three years where most people feel like they've wasted three years of their life not being able to do stuff that they want, that's why this movie takes my number one place. Because for most people, there's a certain point in your life where both you and I are very young, but you can have this a lot of time, whether it's you're in high school and you feel like you've wasted it, whether you're in your mid to late 20s, uh, early 30s, you feel like you've wasted your youth, you're in your 40s and you haven't found your success, or maybe you're getting into the retirement age and you feel like you haven't lived your life to your fullest. There's plenty of times throughout your life where you have a small scale of time and you feel like you haven't reached where you want to be. The Green Knight takes time into its hand and it's honestly a really great t- retelling of this story. Um, I have read the book, um, which I completely forgot about because I thought I'd never read the story before, but I'm, <laughs> I read it in high school, yeah. funnily enough. I was like, this seems oddly familiar. And then I realized I was going yeah. back through some school stuff and I was like, this is the book. Um uh, the Green Knight, for me, first of all, as someone who is blown away by anything visually pleasing, is very visually pleasing in every sense. Um, whether it be the the world building or the 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 indie feel. I mean, you know, it's a it's an you know, it's an independent film. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, is is A twenty four really independent anymore? <laughs> it, I feel like it's the claim, biggest of all still, the independent yeah, look, ones. Look, the most mainstream independent film company of all time, A twenty four, made it. <laughs> so it's got that A twenty four look. Yeah. Feel. Um, the world mm-hmm. building is great. The performances from Dev Patel, um, uh, absolutely incredible. Um, I, again, I feel like it, some people. I mean, I, I've said this before, but I don't have fully committed to it yet. But I feel like I am now because I'm about to say it. Um, I feel like it's Oscar worthy in a way. I think his performance yeah. is, is really uh-huh. great. Um, but it's not just that. It's it's everyone's performance. It's a uh, uh, what's her name? Is it Alicia? Uh, Alicia Vikander. Yeah. yeah Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Um, Joel mm-hmm. Egerton's in it. Uh, Sean Harris. Uh, like, like they're all brilliant. Everyone fucking does a brilliant mm-hmm. job in this uh, David Lowry's uh, direction I mean I've read that he didn't really want to do directing anymore or didn't want to do film anymore and then this kind of like dragged him out of it and he's very happy with this story um overall like it's just a very <sighs> Like you can take a lot away from this film, and there are going to be two people who mm. who watch this. There's going to be people who watch this, and they take it for surface level, and they're going to be like, "Ah, oh, the last duel is better because it's got better fight scenes." And you know, I understand the st- understood the story. Where the Green Knight, you have to watch it more than once to mm-hmm. appreciate pretty much what it's trying to tell you. You can probably get a lot from it from the first viewing, but you go back and rewatch it. And my favorite shot in in this entire film is the one in the forest that is the 360 shot that goes through time. Mm. He becomes a sack mm. of bones, and it goes back, and it, and it's like this is is one path that he could go, go down. This is the other path that he goes down. It's not the only time that they do it, but it's one of those shots that just look great. It means a lot. 
break it down the second time after you've watched it because there's, an, there's another point in the film where they do a very similar thing saying this is where the story's going but it's like actually this is the way mm. it went um yeah but you watch it a second time and that that shot means so much more because you know what this story is about so honestly if you watch the green knight you jump onto youtube you watch a bazillion fucking breakdowns of it after you've watched your bazillion fucking Dune lore video, and then you go watch The Green Knight uh, again, uh, you will be amazed with what's presented to you on screen. Um, so yeah, The Green Knight takes my number one spot on my top 10 of 2020. A very deserved spot. Or should I make it without remorse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember I made you watch that movie. You made me fucking watch, made me watch without remorse, and I was like... You I made you watch so many movies shit. this year. I'll try and be better this year. No, no, no. Uh, I, I, I watched watch. it anyway. I don't fucking, I don't fucking care anymore. You Honestly. were a bit into Rainbow Six Siege, no, you know so what, I guess yeah, it was kind yeah. of close. There we go. I liked, I played Maybe a lot of Rainbow Six. I put otherwise. like over 200 hours into Rainbow Six Siege. And you're like, you're going to love without remorse. And it's like, fuck <laughs> I was like, I'm about to watch What it. else can I put as my top one? Like my number one. What else? What 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 movies did I absolutely fucking hate that could be my number one? Uh, you know what? I'm putting oh, old. Yeah, maybe. Old is my number one. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan, this so, bitch. Oh my God. Oh, was so bad. Let's see what my uh, body. You know what? Uh, Ready? Put, like I got to Kissing Booth, Music and He's All That down there. And um, the pro uh, the pro gun run hide fight uh, school shooting movie. From Ben Shapiro. Ready? So here's my new top 10 list, okay? Here's my new top 10 list. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Number number 10 is going to be Army of the Dead. Number two is going mm. to be Cry Macho. Number three is going to be Prisoners of a Ghostland. Number four is going to be Red Notice. Number five is going to be Without Remorse. Number six is going to be Conjuring. Number seven... Wait, no. Am I doing this the opposite way? What am I doing? I've done this the yeah, wrong way around. I'm doing too many numbers. Here's my top three. Space Jam, old, and number one is going to be Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Fuck you. <laughs> I was waiting for Space Jam. Fucking Space Jam. Uh, it's also Jam. crazy that a Studio Ghibli movie came out this year, and it, it's Ugh. barely below my 300 pick you know what this i'm year. surprised so with? bad you know what i'm surprised with where's anderson's not on my Wait. top 10 and it didn't even make it into my honor right mentions. that is surprising yeah i guess i didn't like the french but, I mean, dispatch it is, that much yeah it, it was it was um i guess it was also for a year so how would you rate the year of not, not worth a rating but would you consider this a good uh year for films or, yeah. or uh not I mean, I mean i i would definitely say that if i pull up my top 10 for 2020 up really quickly which i've got here sound of metal hunter hunter another round i'm thinking of ending things trial of chicago 7 tenant let him go uh palm springs never really sometimes always nomadland though that is a hard top 10 that there mm -hmm. if i rewatched them in a different order would probably be a different order like i if i i feel like i would probably put nomadland higher than let him go now if in hindsight um but, but that there, that's a fucking good year. That's a good year of film. Yeah. I feel like this year has been a mixture of... Um, like, like some of these films were meant to come out last year. Mm -hmm. Like some of these films were meant to be out and they got delayed and delayed and delayed. I feel like this has been the year of, okay, if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make money. We need a restart. Some of these films haven't, but mm -hmm. some of these films have. Um, like No Time to Die, if it came out last year... I think it would knock out a couple of my things, but I don't think it would make it into the top five, right. top six. Yeah. Possibly maybe, maybe it might be my number seventh, but I feel like mm -hmm. this year, like my top 10, they are good, but I don't think I could make myself a top 20 
I feel like there's not enough films that I've seen that I've been absolutely amazed with. There's, It's definitely just been a mediocre year. Like, I feel like there have been films that have just been, yeah, no, they were they were good. Nothing that's been like, like Nomadland blew me away or Trials of Chicago 7 that was really well written. Um, Like each of those films on there have a reason they're on there. Where some of these films, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I put Spider-Man No Way Home because it was entertaining, but I also put down uh, Nobody because it was entertaining. Like, I put two entertaining ones on there for the reason is that mm-hmm. I don't think I'd squeeze Coda in there. So... I don't know. It's really difficult to say that if it's been a bad year for film, because I don't think it has. I think it's been just a bad year to watch movies in cinema. And a lot of these I've had to watch at home. Like I've had to Mm -hmm. watch a lot of films in, and I'm not going to lie, I've got a pretty fucking mint set up with, you know, Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision TV and sound. So I've got a pretty fucking sweet setup, but it's not the same as watching it in a movie cinema which is funny because Bo Burnham's Inside I watched on my telly I watched The Green Knight mm-hmm. on my TV but I watched Dune in cinema I watched Nobody at Home I watched Annette at Home I watched No Time to Die in cinema I watched Pig at Home I watched Judas and the Black Messiah at Home I watched Tick Tick Boom at Home and I watched Spider-Man No Way Home in cinema it's such a mixture and I feel like uh, that's the reason why it's been a mediocre year because I feel like it's not mm-hmm. the same as last year. It doesn't feel as cinematic maybe overall no, because it doesn't you, feel you are cinematic. going less to the uh, theater. But I feel like it it it, um, it uh, cements. No, it 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 uh, it, it's, it sets a precedent of us moving more towards streaming and watching stuff at home. Um, I mean HBO Max, uh, HBO uh, with Warner Brothers um, had that deal for the entirety of 2021, and they don't have that going forward. So that will be different to me the accessibility was actually something that i thought was really uh nice i guess to have because a lot of times the six months between a movie uh really being released in the states to us getting it maybe even more than that so then we don't get to talk about it even if we have access early access with press stuff so i was kind of welcoming to that change that maybe made it a bit more universal and easily accessible although it does take away from the overall cinematic experience and I thought the movies overall weren't that lackluster. I feel like uh, the really last amazingly strong year was 2019 and then 2020 kind of went down and 2021 as well uh, with just having one standout. Uh, I don't think I would put the worst person in the world over Never Really Sometimes Always last year. Maybe yeah. not even I'm thinking of ending things. Um, so I do feel like 2020 at least individually and with my highest ranking film um, was a bit better than this year. Uh, but... I I do still feel like having seen 300 plus movies released this year, there was a lot of good stuff. And there was just a lot of remakes, re-releases that rehashes that feel like they have no reason existing other than, um, I guess, keep, keeping the wheel going um, off theaters, which I do appreciate because I don't want them to go away, you know? Like something like um, No Way Home had the, the great capacity to also be amazing. Um, <laughs> the, no pun on the amazing Spider-Man there, by the way. The possibility, like it, it had the capability to uh, bring people together again so it, it feels like this um big moment in culture where we might go back to movies a bit more or maybe that's just a wrong conclusion to draw from this and it's just that the big event marvel films is what get people in cinemas uh, at this point but as long as i can see film it doesn't really matter to me if i see it on the big screen or at home mm-hmm. um I'm content with where we're going, I think. And uh, looking hopefully into the future, uh, Lachlan, um, we, we won't spend uh, too much time on this, but uh, do you have maybe uh, a couple of films, uh, maybe a top five of movies that you are most looking forward to in 2022? I don't know if I've got five, but if I'm going off the top of my head... For me, head, as of first, first up, we can get it out of the way. On both of our lists is Robert Eggers' The Northman. The of North. course. Yep. Of course. Right? Northman. Yep. Killers of the Flower Moon. 
the next Scorsese film. Yeah, with DiCaprio, Jesse Plemons, De Niro, Frazier, Lithgow. So many great actors in it. The Batman. The Batman, yeah. Our list is so far identical. (laughs) I would also put down Halloween Ends. Oh, okay. That Um, is interesting. Up there is one of the most anticipated. I'm very excited to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also be excited (laughs) to see Spider-Verse 2 or Into the Spider-Verse. Across across the Spider-Verse Part 1, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's well, that's five, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's that's five. Oh, and um, and uh, uh Jordan Peele's uh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, nope didn't wouldn't make it onto my top five, but but it's a really tight top five because uh, apart from the ones that you just named, Northman, Batman, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse Part One, and Killers of the Flower Moon, I did put Ariasta's new movie Disappointment Boulevard, uh, uh, with yeah. Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Ryan. I'm about an entrepreneur, and we don't really know anything more than that. I think it's just follows him through a couple of decades. So I'm always just really keen for whatever Ari Aster puts out. And then, you know, the director of The Father is doing The Son. <laughs> next up, he's doing The Holy Spirit. Now, I, I don't know what he'll do next, but he's doing The Son. And I'm also really keen for that. But, uh, but yeah, that's with Hugh Jackman, Vanessa Kirby and Laura Dern. So I assume that will also be very solid. Uh, we also got a new Aronofsky film um, this year with The Whale, Brandon Fraser. Uh, a new Yorgos Lantimos movie, a new Terrence Malick movie. Uh, we got Knives Out 2 potentially coming next year. We got a new movie from uh, Damien Giselle as well, Babylon, uh, that was supposed to come out on December 25th, but I'm, I'm skeptic that it will release that year. Uh, we got two new Pixar movies, Lightyear and Turning Red, uh, three MCU films, and um, Creed 3 as well, Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic Park, Dominion, uh, new Fantastic Beast film, uh, Mission Impossible, a movie from Olivia Wilde called Don't Worry Darling that sparked my interest uh, with Florence Pugh being in it. And uh, quite soon, coming out, a new Nicolas Cage film, by the way, Lachlan, uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. talent. So So keen. Yeah, keen for that one. And and then, of course, uh, three DC films. Only one of them is interesting to me, The Batman. Uh, Other than that, we got... Uh, the Drive Man, The Power Man, Black Adam with The Rock, uh, The Flash. He's quick, and Aquaman. He, he he's underwater, and in his lost kingdom. So that's pretty much, I guess, the overview of stuff that we have now. And those are mostly like, if you know, there's a there's a big director as a movie, then you kind of know, okay, there's a movie that's coming out uh, now, but uh, or, or bigger releases from studios. But you can't predict the smaller releases that come from festivals that end up being usually the highlights of the entire year. So uh, this will definitely change as to you know, this will probably not be our favorite lists by the end of the year uh, but you know a shout out to the films we could not care less about and that's <laughs> Morbius Ambulance I don't know about you but I, I do not care for Sonic for ambulance. keep your mouth shut <laughs> okay well <laughs> I, we, we gotta cover it in some way I don't know if we want to dedicate an episode to it, to it. maybe it's a Patreon thing to it. <laughs> we'll actually film the episode in an ambulance call it live yeah. uh, we also got a movie uh with Chris Pratt, the Super Mario Bros, I'm kind of just keen to see the train wreck that that will cause. And I'm not too keen for Avatar 2. And I think that's coming out this year, right? So, uh, yeah, those are all the, the movies um, coming out next year so far that we know of, uh, at least the big ones. 
Uh, thank you so much for being a part of our 2021. I guess you already um, gave your New Year's wishes uh, last episode, but um, just a big thanks again to everyone who's listening. But yeah, next week we are taking a look at the tragedy of Macbeth and the lost daughter. So until then, don't forget to drop those five star reviews and tell a mate about the show. In the meantime, you can join our public Discord. We do film raffles and a film club over there. You can join our Patreon and for just one buck a month, you become a PA, a personal assistant and get access to a monthly bonus show called Drunkcast. And uh, I recently just uploaded um, a couple hundred pages of show notes for the first 80 episodes. If you're keen to see the mess that usually is entangled with I guess, running uh, these episodes, then uh, <laughs> go check it out over there. There's a bunch of other content on there as well. Uh, but if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's set on quiet on Instagram, it's quiet on set podcast and on letterbox quiet on set. Uh, all of Lachlan and my personal socials are linked below. And uh, with that, we'll put a neat pin in 2021. And we are keen to see what 2022 takes us, Lachlan. So uh, go watch all the movies we had on our top tens and we'll see you next week. All right.